Mark, <clears throat> chapter 4 this morning, the Gospel of Mark, <clears throat> chapter 4, <clears throat> now let's read from verse 26 as we begin. <clears throat> it says, and he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep. And rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruits of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once more for the opportunity to come together around your word. Lord, I pray that this morning you would just teach us, instruct us through the passage that's before us. Lord, I pray you would give me wisdom, guidance, and understanding as I speak, that would be indeed your words and your thoughts, that you empower me now through the Spirit, and Lord, that you would be honoured and glorified in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, we've been going through <clears throat> the parables of our Lord on a Sunday morning. And most recently, we've been considering some of the, the parable similitudes concerning the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And we'll be looking at the ones in Matthew chapter 13, where we've seen Christ liken the kingdom to a mustard seed, uh, to leaven, to a treasure that's hid in the earth, to a merchant man, and then finally we saw him liken it to a net. And now this morning we see that Mark records for us yet another parable similitude that Christ spoke at this same time. Uh, Mark chapter 4, if you like, is the, the parallel passage of Matthew chapter 13. And we can see this clearly from the fact that in verses 30 to 32, we have recorded for us the, the parable of the mustard seed. Okay, verse 30 it says, And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. When it is grown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all, the, all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And so here we have recorded the, the parable of the mustard seed, which we saw in Matthew chapter 13. And so Mark 4 is the parallel passage. And Mark tells us that around this same time, Christ spoke yet another parable similar to concerning the kingdom of God. Here in verses 26 to 29, and we see Christ here liken the kingdom of God to a seed growing in secret. Okay, that's really what the parable is about here, a seed growing in secret. Now, this is the only place in uh, the Gospels that we find this particular parable recorded for us. But of course, the, the image of a seed being sown in the earth isn't uh, unique. Okay? Christ uses this image in other parables, doesn't he? You know, Back at the start of this same chapter, we have the story of the, the sower and the different types of soil. Just turn back there uh, to verse three, Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 3. <clears throat> it says, Hark and behold... Then went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, 
And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony, stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And so Christ has used this image of the seed planted in the earth. He's used it earlier on in this same uh, chapter here. Okay, it's a very familiar parable story, this one about the sower and the different types of soil. And in fact, uh, Dave Young, I believe, preached on it last uh, Sunday morning. And we will look at that parable story when we get to uh, Christ's parable stories. Okay, but in that story, we see Christ use that same image of a seed being cast upon different soils. And it's only there in that parable, it's only upon the good soil, a heart that is prepared, that the seed grows properly and produces good fruit. And the emphasis in that parable story is upon human responsibility. Okay, it's upon our responsibility, isn't it? Having a heart that is prepared and ready to respond to the truth. Good soil. The emphasis in the parable before us this morning is upon God's responsibility. The growth of the seed in the hearts of men. Okay, so the different emphasis. Okay, the one earlier on is about human responsibility, having a heart prepared. This one is about God's responsibility, the growth of the seed in secret in the heart of men. And so with these things in mind, let's consider this morning three truths presented by the parable that is before us. <clears throat> we see, first of all, the sowing of the seed. The sowing of the seed. Let's look in verse 26. It says, And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up, uh, so should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. The Lord here gives us the image <clears throat> of a man going out and laboring in the field, casting seed upon the field. And in particular, the seed that's mentioned here is wheat or barley. Now I know in verse 28 it says corn. Okay, verse 28 says, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of itself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Now it says corn there, but that Greek word corn doesn't actually mean corn as we understand it today. It properly means grain. Okay, and it's referring to wheat or barley. And most likely it's wheat here that we're talking about. Okay, that's the image that Christ gives us here. We have this laborer in the field uh, casting out the seed, planting wheat. And we're told he plants the wheat by casting seed into the ground. Okay, now the word cast here doesn't mean that he is carelessly just throwing it out. You know, it doesn't mean that he's carelessly doing it. But rather it points to the usual method of sowing seed in those days by hand. And the farmer would have already, before this, he would have prepared the soil. He's plowed the field. He's got it ready. And now he is casting seed upon the prepared field. One writer explained it like this. He said, to sow means to scatter seed over the ground. After the ground is plowed, the farmer is ready to plant the seed. The farmer would carry the seed in a basket or in a pouch attached to his waist. And then he would take a handful of seed and throw or scatter the seed 
with a sweeping motion of the hand and arm. The seeds would fall on the prepared soil. After sowing the seed, the farmer would then plough the field again so that the soil would cover the seed. And so that's the picture that Christ is giving us here. And everyone he's talking to in those days would have understood. Okay? They understood the image. They understood what it meant to go out and cast seed upon the field. Okay? They understood he's prepared the soil and now he's casting seed upon that soil and then he will cover it back up, plough it again. And the word cast here is also in the aorist tense, okay, in the Greek. It's an aorist. So it tells us that this is a once-off action that doesn't need to be repeated. You know, you go out and you sow the field once per season. Okay, you sow the field, you throw the seed upon it, and then the sowing is done. Yeah, only has to cast the seed once upon the soil. And then the sowing, sorry, is complete. And in verse 27, we see that once the farmer has done this, he's completed the task of sowing, he then goes to sleep. Okay, verse 27, it says, And should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up, spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. And so the idea here is that the evening now has arrived. Okay, he's been out laboring all day, casting the seed upon the prepared soil. The evening's now arrived, and arrived, sorry, he's now gone to sleep. Okay, the task is done. There's nothing more he can do for it. And so he goes to sleep for the night. And then it says in, the, in verse 27 there, it says, he, And rise night and day. And it indicates for us that then in the day following, he continues to just go about his daily business. The seed has been planted. There is nothing more that he can do for that seed. It's in the soil. That, that job's done, and so now he has to simply wait. And so now he gets on with his other farming duties. That's the idea here. Okay? He gets on with the duties of farming. Hendrickson writes this. He says, Soon afterward, the man, tired out from the day of hard labor, goes to sleep, sleeping on and on until dawn. In the morning he arises as to the seed he has been scattering the preceding day. He fully realizes that he can do nothing about it, he lacks all control over the processes of germination and growth. When the night falls once more, he again goes to sleep. Again, he rises in the morning, that routine of sleeping and rising, sleeping and rising night and day, night and day goes on and on and on. So the point is, there's nothing more that he can do for that seed. He's planted the seed in the soil. He now has to patiently wait for it to germinate and grow. He simply has to leave the seed in the ground, doesn't he? Okay, if he goes and messes around with the seed, he's going to destroy it or kill it. He has to leave the seed alone in the ground. At the end of verse 27, it indicates for us that this process of growth is actually a mystery to the farmer. Okay, verse 27, it says, And should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. As the farmer then day after day goes out and inspects his field, you know, one day he notices that there's little green shoots that have started to come up. The seed is beginning to grow, but he knoweth not how. You see, the farmer has no part in this part, in the growth of the seed, does he? He has no part in this. To him, it's a complete mystery how a seemingly dead seed can produce life. And this is still true today. You know, with modern science, we know a lot more about agriculture. We know a lot more about the processes that take place. 
But even still, still the how is a great mystery. You know, how does a seed lie dead, dormant for years in storage, but then it germinates and grows when it's put in the ground? The how is a great mystery. Henriksen writes, man has never been able to figure out how exactly, sorry, exactly how the seed is able to transform a tiny bit of soil, say, uh, shall we say dead soil, into a living plant cell. No, not just a cell, any cell, but into the kind of cell that is precisely similar to the cells that were in the plant from which the seed originated. You see, the germination and growth of a seed is a great mystery. It's a wonderful mystery. And the farmer has no part in that, does he? Okay, he's put the seed in the ground. He has no part in the germination and the growth of that seed. He simply casts it in the earth and then he must leave it alone to grow. And all he can do in the meantime is trust that that seed will grow, that it will germinate. Of course, he can care for the grounds. Yes, he can care for the soil around the seed. He can water it. He can fertilize it. He can pull up the weeds. But he must leave the seed alone to grow. He cannot force it to sprout. He cannot force it to grow. He must wait patiently. And Christ here declares that this image represents the kingdom of God. That's what he says in verse 26. Says, and he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as we've seen, is a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of men. And so this image here pictures for us the beginning and the growth of the kingdom in the hearts of men. And in the image, the farmer represents all who labor sharing and proclaiming the Word of God. The seed, of course, represents the Word of God, the gospel message, and the ground is the hearts of men. You see, like the farmer, our responsibility as believers is to cast the seed into the ground. Verse 26, that's our responsibility to go out and to cast seed into the ground. It's the responsibility that's been given to us by God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we see that clearly in the Great Commission, don't we? In Matthew 28, let's turn there. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. In heaven and in earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The great commission is that we go and teach all nations. That is the mission that Christ has given unto his disciples, unto us as believers, to go and to preach the gospel message to spread the seed of the wonderful truth that Christ died, was buried and rose again for our sins so that we might be saved through simple faith in Him. That's the wonderful seed that we have to share with all the world. You know, Paul tells us clearly in Romans 10 that unless we go, unless we preach, we spread the seed, men will not come to the Lord. Let's turn over there, Romans chapter 10. We know the passage 
well, I'm sure. Romans 10. Romans 10 and verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. Romans 10 makes it clear that, you know, we must, how can they, how can they believe? How, sh- how can they hear without a preacher? Without someone telling them? You know, for fruit to be produced, the seed must first be diligently sown. You can't have fruit, you can't have results without sowing the seed. We must preach for men to hear and come to the truth, come to the Lord. You see, that's our part, isn't it, in all this? That's our part as believers Our part is to sow the seed and we must not neglect it. You see, like the farmer, we can't make that seed grow. We can't make it grow. Once we've cast the seed upon the ground, upon the hearts of men, we then must patiently, prayerfully wait for God to give the increase. Now we can water, we can fertilize, yes, but we can't make that seed grow. We can't force spiritual growth. We can't force the seed to sprout. We simply must watch and pray that God would give the increase. You see, like the farmer, the germination and growth of that seed in the hearts of men is a mystery, isn't it? It's a mystery. We don't know how the seed germinates and grows. That's not our part. Our part is simply to cast out the seed. As I said, the water, but God causes it to grow. God gives the increase. Go to 1 Corinthians with me. Apostle Paul expresses this well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6. It says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase so then neither is he that planteth anything neither he that watereth but god that giveth the increase now he that planteth and he that watereth are one and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor if we are laborers together with god ye are god's husbandry ye are god's building now paul expresses it really well he doesn't he this idea you know, that he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul had cast out the seed. Apollos had watered upon that seed. But God was the one who actually caused the germination, caused the growth of that seed in the hearts of men. God, he says, gave the increase. You see, as believers, we are laborers together with God, aren't we? We're laborers with God. We labor for him, casting out the seed, watering as required, but we have no ability to make that seed germinate and grow. God is the one who gives the increase. And beloved, knowing that this is our responsibility, we therefore must take every opportunity to preach the gospel. 
to cast out the seed. 2 Timothy chapter 4, just turn there, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Paul gives this instruction to young Timothy. Starting verse 1, 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Paul tells young Timothy here, he says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. In other words, he tells Timothy, take every opportunity to share the gospel message, to preach the truth. And beloved, we must do the same. We need to take every opportunity to present the gospel message, every opportunity that God gives us. The Lord gives us opportunities throughout the week, whether it's at work or with family or people we meet. The Lord gives us opportunities. It might be through ministry on Friday night or Sunday school. God gives us opportunities. And we take those opportunities to throw out the gospel message. The seed, the wonderful truth. Christ died, was buried and rose again for our sins, according to the scriptures. Let's throw out the seed and water it and then we must trust God to give the increase. Trust that God will cause that seed to find good soil, to germinate and grow. We see secondly here this morning the power of the seed. We've seen the sowing of the seed. Let's see secondly the power of the seed. Verse 28 in Mark chapter 4. Verse 28 says, For the earth bringeth forth fruits of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that, the full corn in the ear. You know, in the next part of the parable here, Christ now declares the power that is within the seed itself. It says here at the start of verse 28, it says, For the earth bringeth forth fruits of herself. Now, the Greek word translated of herself here is the word automates. It's where we get our English word automatic. That's what it means, automatic. It's used here to emphasize the fact that this seed has within itself the energy and life needed to grow. Its growth is automatic. Henriksen writes, by herself means without visible cause and apart from any human help. Without visible cause, apart from human help. The word is only found one other time in the scriptures. It's found in Acts chapter 12. Just turn over there, Acts 12. Acts 12, verse 10. It says, When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through this one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. This is Peter being released from prison. And as they're walking, it says that the gate, the iron gate, opened unto them of his own accord. It's that same word, automate, automatic. Same Greek word, the gate opened automatically for them. And that's the idea here in our passage this morning. This this seed of wheat that has been sown into the earth by the farmer, by the laborer, 
that seed automatically of itself grows once it's in the soil. The energy and the life needed is within itself. The commentator noted, as to man, if the day after sowing or even the next day or the following one, he looks at the field, he sees no sign of life whatsoever. But sometime later, when he looks again, he stands amazed when he beholds ever so many little sprouts where before nothing had been visible. He exclaims what potency was concealed in things so small. You see, that's the image here. This seed has a power, a potency within itself to grow. God has created that, that seed of wheat, hasn't he? Or any seed. God created it like that. To know exactly what it should do and how to do it and when to do it, God created it that way. We put it in the soil and it grows. It has power, has potency within itself. And beloved, this of course pitches for us the power of the word of God. The potency of God's word. The gospel message. You see, we faithfully labor, casting out the seed, watering the field. And then we patiently wait for that seed, the word, to grow in the hearts of men. And sometimes it seems like years go by before we see any little germination of seed. It can seem like that. Seems like it's laying dormant. We labor years on end. And it seems like our efforts are futile. It seems like there's no production. There's nothing growing. The field is bare. There seems to be no growth. But beloved, we must continue to trust in the power of God's word, the power of the seed. You know, Isaiah 55, God promised that his word will not return under him void. Just turn over there, Isaiah 55. <clears throat> Isaiah 55 and verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where, whereto I sent it. God promises that his word will not return unto him void. It will accomplish its purpose. It will grow. It will produce fruits in the lives of people whose hearts are soft and prepared. The seed, the word of God, has a power, has a potency within itself to grow. Like I said, sometimes it may take years for there to be evidence of growth. You know, that growth may even happen after we're long gone. We've moved on, we've moved places. We may no longer be around to see the seed germinate and grow and someone else gets to see it and gets the blessing of it. But God's word will not return unto him void when it lands upon the soil that is prepared and ready. We have to trust and pray, don't we? Trust and pray as we cast out the seed that God's word will accomplish its purpose. Now Butler writes this, he says, The supernatural must be recognized in the work of God's kingdom. Too often in our churches we scheme and promote and think we will bring about the results ourselves through our clever methodology. And churches get results that way, but they're not true results. Rather, they are artificial, fleshly, and superficial. 
We lack much genuineness in the work of God being done by man today, for we leave out the supernatural. We do not value the word of God as we should. Well, we must never lose sight of the fact that it's the word of God that changes men. It's the word of God that brings men to the truth. Can't, can't get away from that. It doesn't matter how many different programs we have and how many flashy gimmicks we have. That might draw people in, but that doesn't change them. It's the Word of God that changes men. That's, that's what we have to cast out. That's where our focus needs to be as a church, and I believe as a church that is our focus. But we must never lose sight of that. That must be our focus, casting out the seed. It has the power. It has the potency. We must not neglect... The word it produces growth in the hearts of men. You know, as we read on in verse twenty-eight, we see that the the progress of this seed's growth is slow and methodical. Verse twenty-eight it says, "For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear." You now Christ points out that the growth of the seed is slow and deliberate. It progresses in order, doesn't it? You know, from first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. There is a progression that must be followed. The wheat plant will develop from one stage to the next. It, it can't skip a stage. It can't suddenly decide it's going to have fruit. It's got to go through each stage. It's a natural progression of growth. And growth takes time, doesn't it? It takes time. Hebert notes this. He says... the. The repeated then in this verse stresses the progressive development from stage to stage. The grass-like green leaf-equipped stalk, the green unfilled head, and finally the soft pulpy kernel swelling to full size and hardening as ripening seed uh, grain. Any effort on the part of the farmer to hasten the pro process would only result in damage. Even so, spiritual development cannot be prematurely forced. That's the point here, isn't it? The growth of the seed within the hearts of men is indeed one of progression and stages. And it cannot be rushed or forced. You know, salvation is instantaneous. That's where that growth first sprouts. That's instantaneous. But sanctification is a process. That's growth, isn't it? And it takes time. It's a process of spiritual growth. You know, in Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon gives us this wonderful picture of uh, the righteous. Just turn over there, Proverbs chapter 4. <clears throat> Proverbs 4 verse 18. says, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Solomon here compares the just, the righteous, to the sun rising and the light increasing until the noonday when it's its brightest. See, we have this wonderful picture of how the righteous, the saved, increase in purity, holiness, throughout the course of their life as they become more like Christ. There is a progression from the sunrise until the noonday sun. And that is the same idea here. Once the seed has taken root in the good soil of a heart, there is then a slow, steady growth 
through the power of the Spirit, isn't there? To become more like Christ. Love, we're all growing spiritually. It's a slow, steady growth towards producing fruits. Now, we cannot force the production of fruits any more than, than the farmer can force the wheat to produce fruit sooner. And so our job is simply to cast out the seed, to water it, and then patiently, prayerfully wait for God to give the increase. And that brings us now thirdly this morning to consider the reaping of the harvest, the reaping of the harvest. Look in verse 29. It says, But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. The parable now ends with the farmer, the, the landowner, recognizing that the wheat is ripe, it's produced fruits, and so now it's time for harvest. And so immediately he uh, thrusts in the sickle. The time that he has been patiently waiting for has arrived. You know, he's watched that seed steadily grow from one stage to the next. And now that the wheat is right, the, the, ear, uh, the heads of grain sorry, are full. The time has come for him to reap the harvest. And you see, likewise, there is a harvest day coming for the field of God's kingdom. Now we remember this parable represents the kingdom of God as a whole. And as we labor in the field, casting out the seed, watering, and seeing God give the increase, beloved, we also then watch patiently, expectantly for the day of harvest. For when the harvest is ripe, the Lord will thrust in His sickle and gather the fruit, the fruit into His barn. You see, this seems to allude once more to the end of the kingdom age, doesn't it? You know, we saw in the parable of the net that when the net is full, when the kingdom age is complete, the net will be drawn to shore and there will be a sorting of the just and the unjust. And we saw that this sorting will take place, will happen at the end of the tribulation. It will happen when Christ comes again, His second coming. And that same event is elsewhere described as a harvest. Go with me to Revelation chapter 14. <clears throat> Revelation 14 and verse 14. <clears throat> Revelation 14 verse 14 says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap. For the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. You see, the day will come when the harvest will be ripe. The kingdom age will be coming to an end. The harvest will be ripe. The seed that has been planted in the field, the kingdom of God, will be ripe and ready for harvest. And that day of judgment will come. And the righteous will be gathered into the millennial kingdom and the unrighteous will be cast into hell. Eternally separated from God. You know, elsewhere we see this referred to as the separating of the wheat and the tares. Matthew chapter 13. Just turn there. Matthew 13. 
Matthew 13 and verse 37. says, he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the word, uh, world, sorry. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now Christ, he describes it as a day of separating of the wheat and the tares. The wheat, those who responded to the gospel, those who were saved, those who... Up, his children will be gathered into the kingdom, millennial kingdom. Those who have rejected will be cast into hell. Of course, we won't be there. We'll be raptured before the tribulation, but we'll be coming back with the Lord for that day. We'll come back to earth for that day. And only then will the Lord thrust in his sickle and gather the wheat into his barn when it is ripe and ready. But beloved, until then, there is a work for us to do. That's the point, isn't it? There's work for us to do. And we must continually to, continually to faithfully labor in this field. Faithfully cast out the seed. Faithfully water the field. And watch and pray for God to give the increase. Beloved, let's not get discouraged in this work. Because the seed has power and potency within itself. And God will give the increase. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you so much for parables like this that give us just simple instruction, Lord, to keep throwing out the seed. And Lord, we thank you that that seed, the word of God, has a power, a potency within itself. And that, Lord, you will give the increase. Lord, help us to be faithful in casting out your seed, witnessing unto the lost. Help us to never... Uh, tire in this ministry not look for other means but lord remember that it's the power of the word that changes men lord may you work this morning in our hearts may you challenge us lord to take every opportunity that is before us and watch and pray for you to give the increase we'll bless as we close in jesus name amen